This is what you say in English. Every week, you will listen to Frank's professional advice on speaking for exam preparation or for your personal development. You will get valuable advice on how to use grammar, vocabulary, discourse, and pronunciation. This is Season 2, Episode 32. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You Say in English, the podcast in which I listen to you and give you my professional feedback. Today, we have a guest from Brazil. His name is Marcelo, and he's an English teacher. He has also studied linguistics and languages at the university. I think he also has a PhD or a master's degree. I'm not really sure because we didn't talk about it exactly. But what I like about him is the passion that he's got to learn languages, to express his ideas in English. And we share that because we are, and we have an expression in English, which is we are kindred souls. So Marcelo and I share the same passion, and I was very happy to have him on the show. We had a very long conversation, so I will try to keep the welcome message very short because, and, and honestly, I don't have much to say about him, you know, like to give him feedback or areas where I think he needs to improve. I think the only the only thing that I can probably tell him is that he was a little bit nervous. And, you know, when you get nervous, sometimes you think hard about what you're going to say. So that, you know, uh, I think it affects the way you approach your fluency. I mean, the way you want to express your ideas. But I think he was trying to be very careful with his uh, English. And he had the loveliest accent. You can tell that he's from Brazil, even though his pronunciation is very good. He's very intelligible. You can tell that he's... And, and this musicality that, that comes from, you know, from, that people from Brazil, which I love, by the way, I don't want to say anything against Portuguese from Portugal, but the Portuguese from Brazil has this incredible musicality to it. And also because he is from Roraima, which is in the north of the country. It's actually very close to Venezuela, where I was born. And it was it was just amazing. I mean, we, we talked about it during a conversation. And I think the only thing that I can probably tell you, Marcelo, and I know you were asking me about my feedback and what I thought about your English. I think your English is amazing. I think it's awesome. And keep on working on it. You have a very understandable accent. So don't feel bad about, you know, like having this or that accent. I think, and, and I truly believe that, that I think people's accents are their musicality. Their it, accent is your music in English. So... Without further ado, this was the conversation that I had with Marcelo. Enjoy it. Great. So here we have Marcelo. Thank you very much, Marcelo, for you know, offering your precious time to be with us here in, in what you say in English. Thank you so much, Frank, for having me on. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yes. 
thank you thank you because uh it's believe it or not it's a little hard for me sometimes to get a, a people to talk on my show because i understand that you might well not you but uh, people might feel you know like a little overwhelmed or a little you know shy to i know that a lot of people listen to the podcast just so it's understandable that you get a little bit shy but you don't okay, seem to me, be the shy guy so yes me included because you know it's there are two main points talking to you and also being recorded and this is <laughs> you know taking part in a podcast it's really it makes us to feel a little bit shy at times you know but it's understandable i i totally get it i remember when i started doing my podcast listening to myself was like oh i don't like listening to my voice but you know you get yes. you get used to that so can you tell me a little bit about who you are what you do so that you know everybody can listen to you okay so this is marcelo i'm an english teacher from brazil you know i've been working with english for about five six years now and i've got a phd in linguistics so i also do some research about language and second language acquisition i'm really interested interested in proficiency exams and language acquisition and development wow that sounds like a deep topic of discussion <laughs> Yes, there are some, you know, there are some trick points concerning these topics that I think that should be more elaborated. So we have, we don't have, we don't have some answers yet about how to improve, how to enhance students' level of English or any other language in a more natural way. So when you focus only on exams, we prepare students to see that exam specific exam but you know of course it demands uh hard work about language development but i think that it's not that natural you know what i mean yes. so at a times we we teach students some specific points about language that are not that natural for them and i try to understand how then how they cope with this kind of uh new language let's so to speak yes. and how could we make it uh more feasible in certain ways yes i agree i think that i mean there's there's a lot of research about second language acquisition and I, I I've read incredible papers and I've done, I mean, my, my research as well. I mean, when it comes to, for example, doing, because in my case, I have different qual I've done different qualifications, you know, to be a teacher and you have to do a lot of, you know, a lot of reading and a lot of sure, you know, research. And, and then you realize that there are so many voices, uh, so many people using oh this is the best method and when you when you come to think of it it's it's that human interaction what really matters and for me as a teacher of course it's it's 
essential to know about all these theories and all these things. But when it comes to human, uh, you know, touch that that human touch that human level that languages have, I think that's that's exactly what has worked for me in terms of you know getting the students in the right mindset to learn a language. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. The point is, I always tell my students. I myself try to understand how language work, but you, you need to learn this language to communicate. Mm -hmm. So the purpose is completely different, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I think that we should, fo I don't know. I'm only trying to put some, some thoughts about it. I think that we should make students note that. They need to communicate. Yeah. Languages are made, or I don't know whether a language is made, created, or developed. This is another quite yeah, that's, yeah. interesting, alluring issue. <laughs> As I usually say, it's a hay from another haystack. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, the first and foremost aspect of language is communication. Yeah. So as long as you can communicate properly, you can make your ideas clear as much as possible, as much clear as possible. It's okay. You know, you, you don't have to understand, you don't have to know, oh, this is a present perfect continual, yeah. exactly. you know, and at times we, we still, we still find some points concerning this approach to language yeah. that I think it's not very useful for our students to, yeah. to learn a language. And, and you're right. I'm finding, you know, the right balance that works for you as a, as a learner. In my case, for example, I've tried for so many years to master Russian. You know, I've been, I studied Russian formally, like for quite some time. And even though I, I, I'm not doing it right now, I still have a very good foundation, like a, you know, good working knowledge of the language, but, but I've tried to find ways and, you know, that work for me that if I'm not advancing, at least, you know, keep the level I have or, okay. you know, trying to remember as much as possible, all the things that I learned when I was taking my classes, you know, my regular classes, going to the language school and everything. So I guess, I guess. You know, in that sense, finding your own, you know, routine definitely helps you. Yes, I've been through the same thing here. I've been studying Japanese for a while, but you know, I found out that Japanese is such a language that I will probably not reach a C1 level, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because even though I'm B1 or B2, it's, it's good for me. I, it yeah. makes me feel happy for having, having achieved this. Exactly. Exactly. I, I would say that, and, and when you also establish a, like, at least contact with people, uh, who speak those languages as a first language, yep. they, they just, you know, they get they get shocked like oh my god how why are you interested i remember that the first time i spoke to a person from russia i mean she was uh, it, 
a friend, she's now a friend of mine, but when we spoke in Russian, in Russian for the first time, she was like, why, why are you learning Russian? I mean, of all languages, Russian is not an easy language. And I was like, yeah, why not? So I, I, people, it is just the fact of not being an easy language that <laughs> triggers a sensation of, oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to do that. If it's a challenge, here I am. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good. And are you teaching at the moment or do you go into more the, you know, academic research area? What what do you what, what are you doing at the moment? I've been teaching some students for some exams like TOEFL and IELTS. Mm -hmm. But I've been also working with academic English mm -hmm. for students, for uh, PhD students, okay. master's students. And also I have some private students. Okay. So it's a mix, the blending of, yeah. of these things. But I also enjoy reading about what's going on, what's, what's, what are the, the, the trend talks of <laughs> linguistic <laughs> approach to yes. second language acquisition. Yes. And I try to apply some of those techniques and approach to my students to know how they behave about, yeah. about that. And, and how would you describe the situation of English teachers in, in your area? Are they, because something that I, in my case, because I, 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 I was born in Venezuela, I lived in the States, but I was born in Venezuela. And I told you, really? yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I live in Horaima, Boa Vista Horaima, which is close. I know. To... I know. <laughs> I know exactly. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's a, it's in the, um, the, uh, I mean, I know it's surrounded by forests and you know, the exact luscious green areas. And yes. But I was born in a city closer to Colombia. Yeah. In Maracaibo. It's a, it's a wonderful city. It's uh, you know. The situation of the country has changed it a lot, but a um, lot. I still have unfortunately. Yes. So that said, I've taught in Venezuela. I've been teaching here in Spain for the last 14 years because I've been living here in Spain for 14 years. And I would say that teaching for exams is, is kind of a tricky thing because, and, and this is what I usually tell my students. I have a kind of, I don't know if it happens to you, but. I have a kind of love-hate relationship with exams. I like them. Yes, I like them because the level of research, design, and mastery required to create those exams is incredible. But at the same time, I think that do they really, really measure how much English you know? Because Let's be honest, in a speaking exam, let's say for advanced, for Cambridge exams, it's barely 16 minutes. And yes, but it's not 16 minutes you have to speak. I mean, you have to take out the time that the examiner speaks and the rest of the time is divided by, you know, two candidates. So as a candidate, you roughly have six minutes to speak. Can you really demonstrate your level of English in six minutes? So in a way, I think that 
exams in general, proficiency exams, are not so realistic, but it's unfortunately the the only way we have to really measure how much English a person knows. So the level of research that these exams have, whether it's, you know, TOEFL or IELTS or Cambridge exams or Trinity, it's just, I mean, that's what, what I find fascinating. But at the same time, I think that, hmm, I ask myself, like, I wonder, hmm, are they really useful? So what, what is your take on it? And if you think that the, the situation in, in, in Brazil, because I hear in Spain, they're immensely popular. I mean, Cambridge exams are incredible. I mean, like everybody knows what the exams are, what, what they, what they entail and the preparation required. Is it the same in, in, in Brazil? Yeah. I, I can tell you that without a shadow of doubt. Cambridge exams are the most popular exams here in Brazil. Yes. And and doubtful. But, you know, this is a double-edged sword. Why? I totally agree with you you, when you say that, okay, there are some background research about how to create these exams to be the more precise as possible as precise as possible, let's say as precise as possible. But we know that considering time, yes, I don't know whether we can say that I shouldn't, it's good at English or bad at English mm-hmm. when we have to put them into a classroom, give them, I don't know, 20, 40, 60 minutes to read a couple of text, texts to answer those questions mm-hmm. based on some skills required ex- specifically for yeah. those exams, you know. Yeah. So, of course, apart, apart from the, 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 the fact that there are good, there is good research yes. has been made about exams, proficiency exams. Mm-hmm. I think that are, the language is bigger than a proficiency exam. Yeah. So when it comes to, oh, you, you have to study for taking Cambridge. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can... You can take a prep course, even though you are not going to see the exam. Only as a matter of language development. But the point is, as this prep course are focused specifically on the exam, Mm -hmm. some students can, can miss some some other, let's say, ability or skills that are required in life, but not at Cambridge exams. <laughs> and then I think that it should be, the point is, we could do a more advanced course yes. for those students who want, who want to reach a C2 level yes. without the necessity 
of sitting. Because I don't know whether you are agree with me or not. There are two basic different things. <laughs> Reaching a situ level <laughs> as a English speaker <laughs> and reaching a situ level as a test taker. Yes, exactly. No, yeah, I agree with you. I think that sometimes there's some like a lot of elements at play here. And I've seen, for example, students pass the C1 or the C2. And I wouldn't say that they do have a strong level of, for example, C1 level or C2 level. I've I've met people, for example, that have passed the C2. I mean, they've gotten the C2 level of Cambridge and and yeah, they have a very good level, but I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far and say, well, that's a C2. I mean, there are so many things at play. Like, for example, you had a wonderful day that day. The topics were incredibly manageable for you because it, it does make a difference. For example, how Absolutely. acquainted, how, how familiar you are with the topics in, in the, you know, and, and coincidentally that the, for example, in the use of English, the structures that were being tested on that day were structures that you handled pretty well. So. I think it's a matter of, and, and when, when the results are reported by Cambridge, I mean, they do take a, a, into consideration a lot of things. They, they, not only the correct answers that you give, but also the level of difficulty of the exam. So they do a yeah. lot of very complicated math that I have no idea. And then they do, they, they calculate the, the final score. So the, the final, the final score will depend not only on your right number of correct answers, but also, you know, will, will correspond to the level of difficulty in the exam and how difficult it was for the batch of people who took the exam. So average, uh, great. Yes. But I, I do agree with you. I think that even though that we, I would say that the exam is not 100%, you know, the best option to really know how much English, you know, I think, well, it's definitely the only thing we have. And and yeah, I know that it is what it is. Okay. So, but the point is, I, I, but people, people seem to wage on those people who wasn't, a, weren't able to get approved mm -hmm. on the exam. So it seems that those people don't have a good level of English or yeah. they cannot uh, communicate. They cannot deliver a lecture properly only because they uh, couldn't get a pass. I mean, of course, um, it, it, it all depends on, on what your, you know, expectations are and, you know, what, what you want to do with that level. I mean, in my case, for example, I definitely need English to, you know, as you say, deliver workshops or deliver lectures oh, exactly. and things like that. Other people might use it for other different reasons. You know, I have a friend, for example. Yeah, I would say uh, daily based situation, uh, B2 or at most C1 level would, would be enough. I don't know what's your take on that, but yeah. I mean, for I most say, people. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think it depends on what your, your goal is. I mean, and, and ultimately that goal is your motivation to, you know, keep on learning and and I, I was going to say that I have a friend living in the U.S. He's a journalist, and uh, 
his level of English is really, really good. And the other day he was, we were talking and then he was, his first language is not English. His first language is Spanish. And he was asking me if I could help him, for example, get rid of the accent. And I was like, why do you want to get rid of the accent? And he felt that he couldn't get further in, in his professional development because he wanted to get that, what he thought was this, the real true C2. And the thing is that there's a lot of, there are a lot of misconceptions about, you know, levels. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And you know, I, I, I don't want to put forward an, such an image that I'm discouraging people uh, from <laughs> no. taking the exam, you know, but there are some issues that I, I think that should be pinpointed yes. for people who are intending yeah. to. And yeah. And another thing is, for example, the levels we have, you know, A2, B1, B2, C1, C2, those are levels for people who don't speak English as a first language in the first place. I mean, for people who speak it as a first language, it does not really apply. I mean, it, it's, it's, it doesn't really, I mean, you wouldn't say that a native speaker has this C1, C2. No, it's not, it doesn't really work like that. So it's like measuring two different things and put them, putting them in the same category when, when they should not be in, in the same category, because if yes. you speak it as a first language, I mean, then, then you have levels of education, you know, like a person who exactly. has a, a college degree and a master's degree will definitely have better vocabulary, better ways of expressing themselves than a person who does not have the opportunity to study, you know? And you know, this is quite intriguing because it led, it, it led us to another interesting question. Both myth that native oh, yes. speakers are better teachers <laughs> than non-native speakers. Yeah. You know, because as you've just uh, said, if you consider someone who is not well-educated, even though he's a native speaker, <laughs> but he's not a well-educated <laughs> and, you know, his level of English is not that, let's say, uh, C1 or C2 or whatever. And they will probably teach you some things that are based on intuition or this kind of things. Yeah. And it's not about, it's not a matter of being native or non-native. I think it's completely irrelevant. First and foremost, you have to be a teacher. I mean, you have to know... And exactly. um, how to exactly how to teach others. That's basically what it is. And I think people just confuse that idea that if you're a native speaker, you're inherently a better English teacher. It doesn't make much sense. So that's that's why I will forever defend and, and champion the idea that it's not about where you were born or the first language that you speak. It's about qualifications. Are you qualified to teach it? Do you know exactly how to that. teach it? So, of course, language proficiency is necessary for that. But no, of course, of yes. course. But, but but there are some other background issues that we we must consider when discussing about being a language teacher. You not only the nationality, the nationality doesn't provide you a certificate of <laughs> exactly. And we can, we can definitely spend a lifetime talking about 
all these films. Yes. Right? And and what I what I like about you is that in in I I mean I'm speaking to someone who really understands, you know, all these things, all these intricate things about language and it's always a a pleasure, you know, to share ideas. And I'm afraid that's going to be the end of our conversation. It's been an incredible pleasure to have you on the show. And if you had any last words for our listeners, what would you say? Well, learning a language is a life, uh, life journey, lifelong journey, you know. So it doesn't matter if you've already reached a C2 certification. There's always many other things you are going to learn forever and never and never. So thank you. Thank you very much, Marcelo. I really appreciate taking part in this conversation. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you so much once more, Frank. Thank you. Now you can see that after this wonderful conversation that we had, you will notice that Marcelo is definitely a very proficient speaker of English. Of course, there are moments in which he loses a little, just a little bit of control with some word endings and for example, ED endings. And it's normal because it's something your brain needs to get accustomed to. It's completely normal. And this is what we call slips. I would say that if Marcelo were to take an official Cambridge exam, he would get a really good score. He would definitely get a C2 passing score, at least in speaking. And he would be a very good role model to follow to become a proficient speaker of English. I don't want to say goodbye before saying that I am currently collaborating with Ben Gill, as I said before, with his TTP Academy. It's a place where you can get a lot of feedback, a lot of coaching and support to prepare for your exams. Basically, even though we provide material for B2, we mostly focus on C1 and C2 levels. I know that for those levels, it's really hard to get, you know, to nail down everything you need to know about the exam. Especially for C2, it's really difficult to find good quality coaching and preparation for C2. And also remember that for the month of August, I'm preparing my C2 course, and I'm also trying to include a C1 course. So if you're interested, if you want me to save you a spot, send me an email to podcast at languageteaching.es. I will be more than happy to send you feedback or to help you or to guide you with your preparation. So thank you. Thank you very much for this week. And until next week, bye-bye.